Uh, welcome to church. I'm Pastor Corey. If we haven't met, please come and meet me. Um, you know, I, I told our stage team, we vet people to get on the stage here. It's not easy to come up here because um, we think we can only reproduce who we are. But all of this is a bit of a, if you don't know, it's not a performance. All of this, all this is, is so that the Lord can come and speak to us. So this is all we're doing is just channeling the power of the Holy Spirit and focusing our attention on the Lord. You need to know that about the people that stand on this stage. This is not about us. This is about the name of Jesus. Um, anyways, good. We good? Can I just preach? Can I get into it? Okay. Um, next week is, I'm not going to get into it. I'm going to tell you about next week. Uh, it's our birthday party next week. We're turning six. We're going to be a big boy church. Um, six next uh, uh, weekend. That's going to be awesome. My friend, Pastor Jake and Mullen from Home Church is coming. Here's a funny story. Um, one of the people, um, I have people that kind of do the social, I'm not like a social media, super social media guy, so a lot of crazy people out there. Um, but somebody posted on my Instagram account. Did you see that thing where I was at, you would, you would like this. I was at a range shooting a nine millimeter with, um, Pastor Bryce, you remember Pastor Bryce, the Calgary campus pastor from home church? Well, Jakin is his boss. And so did you see that picture that I was at the gun range shooting? You know, sometimes pastors gotta get together and shoot stuff, cause it's like, it's like church people, man. I'm telling you, you don't even know, church people. Um, and so we're out there and, uh, and I, I brought up the, the target up close. I was good, did you see me? Did you see the headshots in there? But I had written in a big felt marker, Jake and Mullen's face with an arrow. And then I send it to him with a love you. Can't wait for you to come next week. So that's going to be awesome. He's going to be here next week uh, preaching for me. So that's going to be, uh, that's going to be great. All right. We're in our uh, series. Thanks, Sean. We're in our series, Do Hard Things. Have you been kind of enjoying this series? Listen, hard things are not the enemy. And in, in fact, hard things are your friends. And God, if you come into the, the body of Christ, some people look at Christians and they're like, oh, they're kind of weak. They have a crutch. They, I'm like, no, no, no. It was worse than that. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we needed somebody to make us alive together with Christ. And so, um, so I, think, I think it takes great strength to do hard things. And the quote that we're operating off of is from a uh, uh, U.S. Marine who said, hard times create strong men, women. Strong men create good times, good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. And this sermon is called uh, Do Hard Things. It's the last one of the, of the sermon series. Um, I'm, I'm preaching about, uh, uh, after our birthday party, I'm preaching about sex next. Check your kids into venue, kids. Awkward laughter. Yeah, do it or you're going to be fielding a whole bunch of questions that you don't want to. Um, and this space is designed for, you know, people 12 and up. It's not designed for children to grow in their faith. You gotta help me preach this, or I'll just keep going. All right, um, and so uh, this sermon is called ETA Five Minutes. Prison to palace in five minutes about the life of Joseph. You think that your circumstance is the problem. The circumstance is not the problem. The circumstance is the opportunity. There were two major things that Joseph needed to learn in prison. And as soon as, as soon as he learned the two lessons, I think, as soon as he learned the two lessons, ETA Five Minutes, uh, Pharaoh moved him from prison to the palace. So we're spending all of our time begging God to get us out of prison. And God's like, well, you're in prison for a reason. There's something going on in your life right now. That's a hard thing that God's like, stop trying to escape it. He can break you out in a moment, but you're there to learn something that you will not learn in the palace. Come on, say amen, venue church. It's going to help. All right. So, um, listen, it's like, it's like being in grade eight. 
Did anybody in the room like grade eight? Sweaty armpits? I mean, something wrong with grade eight. I hated grade eight. I just wanted to get out of grade eight. Well, you gotta pass grade eight to get out of grade eight and move on to something that's better. All right, so let me ask you this. Um, there's two lessons. Let me ask you this. Do you only occasionally have good days internally? Only occasionally. Are you like an occasionally, you know, strong internal person? And I don't mean internal like, hey, you can do it, self-sufficient. I think all of that stuff is garbage, by the way. I think you need to be God-sufficient and you need to depend on the Lord. But um, are you somebody who like occasionally has good days and bad days still? See, Joseph, what, what used to happen in his outside world used to wreck him internally before he was mature and grew up into the things of God. So after prison, though, what happened around him couldn't happen inside of him anymore because God wants to own the inside of you. Does that make sense? Like, no matter what pressure you're facing, that bleeds into our lives. It makes us different people. I mean, come on, if somebody's under financial pressure, you know what you're like to live with. Like, you freak out about the dumbest things, right? It's the pressure. It's, if something is wrong for some of you, you're relational people. So if something's out relationally, it just sets you on edge. God wants you, no matter what's going on around you, to have his presence happening inside of you so that you actually affect it from inside of you rather than it constantly affecting you and changing you and making you into it, the person that God does not uh, intend you to be. So um, I used to work with them. Um, I used to work with a guy who was occasionally good. Uh, his name was, uh, was Lee. There's two things. Are you guys ready? Um, bad moods and details slide. It's like carrying your own iceberg around and occasionally tossing it in front of your, yourself. There's two things Joseph learned in prison. I didn't set this up very good. I should have made that a big deal. <laughs> bad moods. I think about this again. I should have practiced. I did practice, but I didn't get bad moods and detail slide. You're like, well, no, how important are those two things? Just, just wait, just wait till the text today. Bad moods and detail slide are like carrying your own icebergs around with you and occasionally tossing them in front of yourself. Here's what I know. If God can move you from prison to palace in five minutes, the enemy can move you from the palace back to prison in five minutes. If you don't get your internal world right. And um, Joseph got his internal world right. I used to work with a guy named Lee who was, uh, who was hilarious. Um, Lee was one of those guys that, that uh, he, was, he started so well in the trades world. I used to be an electrician. We got any like blue collar, come on. Um, I used to be an electrician and so, uh, um, so I used to and then move into kind of like job sites and, and things like that. And so uh, Lee, um, Lee started really good, but then he started to kind of like falter off in his attitudes and his details. And we had a young guy named Dan who was a great young guy. He was, he was marked for some great things. He's been running his own company now for years, but a really great guy. You know, you have one of those young eagles that you're like, this guy's going to do something. And so Dan was actually in charge of a site that Lee wanted to be in charge of, but there's a reason that Lee wasn't in charge of the site. So Dan calls me up and he's young and he calls me up and I've been on sites for years. And so he calls me up and he says, you're going to like this, Josh. He calls me up and he's like, I don't know what to do with Lee because Lee's just moping around all day. And then I got to look into everything he does and I got to fix it all the time. Right. And so, um, so this is what I said. He's, I said, like, what's he doing? He's like, he's just moping around and bringing the mood down. And so I said, I said, send him home. And Dan goes, I can do that. And I'm like, oh, we can do lots of stuff. You know, so trades are, oh, we can do lots of stuff. I'm like, send him home. You have an entire crew of people there. Like we used to tell guys, look, everybody's got problems at home. 
if you want to bring them and make them problems here too, then that's not going to be easier. So like treat each other with respect, do your job, get it right, have a good attitude and get the details right. Sweat the details, have a good attitude, right? And so he sent him home and when Lee came back, whether it was the next morning or maybe a day later, he decided he was gonna be happier to be around. And Lee made a shift. The reason that Lee wasn't in charge of that job was um, one of the reasons is I went into a job that he was in charge of and we were in a shop, say a space like this, and they, they had hung a bunch of lights. And when I walked in there, I was there to get stuff or I don't know if I was doing st something there, but it wasn't really my job. But I walked in and I see two of the lights, like big lights back then, hanging off of the electrical wire because they'd fallen off of the ceiling. Now, if you're not an electrician, that's not good. So they're literally hanging on the wire. And I don't mean armored cable or pipe. I mean like Lumex that you see in houses. It's hanging off of this wire against tin. And I'm like, well, that's an explosion. So I go up there and Lee had put these lights up and I go up there and Lee has tapped two. Now, I don't know how tradesy you are. Two self-tapping screws, two screws into tin. Mom, don't, don't, don't make me call you out in front of everybody. Oh yeah, I know what tapping screws are. Two tapping screws into metal, one on each end of the light, two tapping screws into tin. And I'm like, you can clearly see where the tin has been screwed into the wooden joist. It's like, why not four screws and then one into something that actually matters? I'm thinking it would take an extra two minutes to do it right. And, and screws that you don't pay for. And you get paid by the hour. And I realized as I look at this light, then I start looking at it, I'm like, if he took a shortcut where it's obvious, he took a shortcut everywhere. Because how you do anything is how you do everything. I mean, that's not in the Bible, but. I'm like, how you do anything, it, it was a carelessness. And to top that off, he had a carelessness in his spirit where he allowed bad moods in. Now, you're not gonna, you're not gonna like me or this church very much if you think that bad moods come from anybody but you. Because if all the devil has to do is stir up trouble for you, for you to be in a bad mood that you justify, you will always have a terrible attitude. And I know that some of you are suffering right now and in hard times, but I'll tell you, having a rotten attitude doesn't make that easier. And what really worries the enemy is when, when he, finds a, he sees a soldier in the body of Christ who doesn't drop a detail and who walks into battle with a smile on their face because they've read the end of the Bible. And they know that in the end we win because we are aligned with Christ. So bad attitudes and sweating the details. I told my boss, I'm like, why he started so well? And I don't understand that because I'm kind of driven. I'm like, I don't get it. He said, he never learned to work through it. Some guys never do. That's what he said. Some guys never learn to work through it. Now, listen, the enemy is not afraid of emotionally undisciplined Christians who won't sweat the details. He's not worried about talented people. Millennials, I hate to break it to you. You've been told since you were very young that you are very talented. The devil is not afraid of talent. He is afraid of disciplined soldiers. He is afraid of the faithful. He is afraid of those people because God can pour talent into them that light right there if he wants to. 
You're sitting there like, I'm not going to do it. I want to. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be patient. Patient. Venue dream teamers, I was thinking about this, are consistent. They're consistent. Why? Because they're on a schedule. Consistent. Consistent. Do you put your Bible reading on a schedule? Consistent. You're not smarter than your Bible reading, by the way. You're not more talented than it. Are you consistent with your prayer life? Are you consistent with your giving? Are you consistent? Consistent. Pastor Craig Rochelle says, successful people do consistently what others only do occasionally. That's the difference. You only have to hit one iceberg to undo hard. You, can, you, know, you know this in your, in your family. You can be treating your mom right, teenagers. You can be treating your mom right for six months, and then you just have one really, 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 really stupid thing that you say. And unwind all of that work and all of that trust, and then you got to build it back. Come on, mom, say amen. I'm teeing you up here. Amen. Elbow your teenager. Be like, he's talking to you. Now, they're consistent. Venue dream teamers are consistent. Um, I really want to say this next part. I'm going to say this next part. Um, there was a family looking for a church in town here, and, and I, uh, somebody told me that the, somebody's like, um, you gotta, uh, I want to warn you about Venue Church. And look, I say some of these things from the front here because like church people, Let's let the devil tear down other people's churches. Can we just do that? That's his job. Let's not do his job for him. We love the churches in, in Airdrie. We don't care if you go to this church or another church. Just get involved in a great church in town. So, but this is what, what a family's like. Hey, we're looking for, uh, we don't want our kids in worship. Amen. Somebody say amen. We don't want our kids in worship. We want our kids over there. Uh, we want vibrant youth and kids in worship. Something like that anyways. Uh, this is what I was told. And then, and then, um, like, and, and then it was like, hey, I just want to warn you about Venue Church because they're going to try to get you involved, basically. And I'm thinking, we're not being sneaky about that. Like we've never, like every week we're like, get involved, join the dream team, join the small group. Like, oh my goodness. Because the enemy's not afraid of you until you do. You, you think you're fighting out in the woods by yourself spiritually. But if you're not in the battle with the army, you're not afraid of you. You can let you wander around out there and fire off as many scriptures as you want to. He'd be like, he not hitting me, I'm not over there. Listen, I want 2023 to be your best year, and it will be if it's your best year spiritually. And the only way that it can be your best year spiritually is if you grow spiritually. And the best predictor of spiritual growth is whether you go to church and serve with four to five close friends. So it's like, we're not being sneaky. We want you to get involved. I, I, I'm like, well, you don't want to reach your destiny and your purpose? You don't want to save the city? You're here, can I just say this? Here's your purpose, to connect with God and people. That's why you're here on this earth. The path to purpose is helping other people connect with God and people. Join the dream team. Stop coming to church for you, start coming to church for somebody else. You know what, here's, here's what the enemy knows. Here's what the enemy knows, because the enemy can read stats too. He knows that 80% of high school kids who have a job in church, who are on the dream team, stay in church when they don't have to go anymore. Across every church. And I think this is a great church, and I think our percentage is way higher than that. And I'm like, you want your kids? Okay. So I'm like, okay, let me just, let me just, if you want your kids to stay in church and have a great relationship with Jesus, 
High school kids are on the dream team because they were on the dream team in junior high and in junior youth because they were on the dream team in kids. And the reason that they were on the dream team in kids is because mom and dad were on the dream team and told them to get on the dream team in kids. If you want your kids to, but here's what I don't want because we've got lots of grandparents at venue too. I don't want what I see sometimes when a generation stops going to church because they weren't involved and didn't have jobs and weren't owners, they were only consumers. This is what I hate watching is that the grandparents, good godly grandparents, having to beg their kids to pick up the grandkids to go to church because the kids won't go. I don't want that for you. I want you to go to church with your kids and your grandkids one day. I want a longevity of life and ministry. Anyways, sorry, I'm, I'm glad I got that out. I just want that. Now, prison brought Joseph consistent emotional discipline and sweating the details. Joseph created the schedule for the prison. He sweated the details. Detail sweating and emotional discipline. Sometimes in Canada, this is what I think that we think that they are like, hey, I'm gonna do this in this job. I gotta climb the ladder, right? Everything's about climbing the ladder. I'm gonna do this now so that one day somebody will put me in charge of something so I don't have to do the things anymore. That's what we think. Like everybody who works for Josh thinks I want Josh's job so that I don't have to be emotionally disciplined and sweat the details anymore. Josh, do you deal with any details in your life, in your business? A few. It's, it's a completely wrong mentality. It's not something you just do till somebody puts you in charge of somebody else. It's something that gets you there and it's something that keeps you there. You want a better relationship with your spouse? Sweat the details and sweat your emotions. Come bring them into a place that honors the Lord and work like you're married to Jesus. That sounds really weird. But I'm saying, if you treated it like that, do everything is unto the Lord. Whoa. But you haven't met my husband. I also didn't write the Bible, and we should do that. <laughs> Talon says, I'm special. I don't have to work as hard as you. Discipline says, you might be special, but I'll work harder than you. I thought that was a good line. Happiness is harder to find in the palace than it is in prison, I think. You know people that have everything that you're working for. The new car and the house and all the things. It doesn't make them happy, it just makes them distracted. Until one day they lose somebody close to them or a diagnosis comes in or their teenager is on drugs and then all of a sudden you find out Oh, they weren't really happy. They were just distracted. Don't be angry at God that your circumstance isn't perfect right now. He has you there for a reason. It's because it's easier for you to learn the two things there than it is for you to learn them in the palace. There are more distractions in the palace. Joseph comes in and saves all of Egypt because he was laser focused on the plan that God gave him. He didn't get distracted. He didn't chase the palace, everything. And the reason that he rose so high, uh, you can't make me preach that ahead of time. Okay, hold on. Now, listen, if happiness comes from the Lord, you can find it in prison. You can find it when you get betrayed. You can find it when you're broke. Here's a lie. I can't really make a difference or have freedom until I'm in charge. Here's the truth. The higher I go, the more damage I can do and the less freedom I have. 
You know, you all always look at your boss and you're like, but he gets to take long lunch breaks. I'm like, yeah, but if the business goes under, he loses his house and you go across the street and work for his competitor. That was really good. We think, you know, we think, look, tithing or giving a tenth of your income back to the Lord so that he can literally keep so many promises in your life. We think that, you think tithing on $10 is hard because you only have $10. So like giving a dollar to the Lord, a tenth, is difficult. Well, I'll tell you, is it more difficult to give a dollar to the Lord or when you have $1,000 to give $100? Because what you're, you are in prison is what you'll be on the throne. And you think it's easier to learn the lessons when you have more to lose? It's just a wrong thinking about it. If you can't man manage a single life, I know what you're thinking. I'll get married and he'll make me happy. <laughs> have you ever met one of us? <laughs> you think that we're like, oh, I'm here to fulfill your dreams about, can I, can I bake you cupcakes? Can I, that's not what we do. We watch football, guys. That's... If you're drowning in single life and you get married, it's like somebody throwing you a giant baby. <laughs> like you're having trouble, you can't keep your head above water, here's a giant baby. Let me just toss him in there for you. Why can't you clean up your socks? Uh, huh? Like we'll try a little. Pastor Erin got so mad at me one time, she was going all crazy. She like, she's like one of those people that, we have this thing where we're like, if you have emotions, just bury them deep. You know, well, she's one of those like, I'm going to bury it deep and I'm going to bring it up later, but it's going to be attached to a bunch of other stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't, you know what she was mad about one time? Is that I wasn't putting my dishes in the dishwasher some of the time. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. She's like, but I've already talked to you about it. I'm like, sorry? I'm like, that's what you were mad about the whole time? Why didn't you just say it? Sometimes people are like, oh, I just wish that my husband was the pastor. I'm like, do you? <laughs> we spend so much of our time praying for promotion when you know what I wish God what, what I think God wishes you were praying for promotability because promotion is going to bury you it's going to bury you if you don't have the character for it if you can't sweat the details and get your emotions in a solid state that honors the Lord I feel like I need to say this. You need to be predictable. People need to be able to set their watch by you. You need to be faithful and predictable. So that when, when you walk into the room, they get the same you as they got yesterday. If the, the you yesterday wasn't a jerk. <laughs> the same, yeah, people, I'm the same all the time. I'm a huge idiot. That's not what I would. <laughs> Luke chapter 16. Jesus says, you want to know Jesus' promotability test? If you're honest in small things, You'll be honest in big things. And you're like, I'm just waiting for a big thing so that I can prove how good I am. And God's like, well, you're already proving that you're not because you don't understand this. If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? Who? Do your emotions reflect the emotions of the store owner at work? Promotability. Do you think about customers the same way they do? Promotability. Do you get there early and stay late? Promotability. Or are you an occasional hard worker? <laughs> right? Um, do you attend? You ready? Oh, the, you're not going to like this. 
go to a shooting range. <laughs> Do you attend small group as if Jesus might show up? Or do you sit there and are like, man, small group leader, just work this out of me. Figure out how I'm feeling today. <laughs> I'll bet you if Jesus was your small group leader, I mean, even if you didn't know the answer, you'd say something. You know, let's say something. People would think you're stupid. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. If Jesus showed up at church, and some smart person's like, isn't Jesus at church? That's kind of the point. If he showed up at church, let me say this. Would you wish that you were scheduled on the dream team that day? Or would you roll in on, some of you don't know that we sing three songs in the beginning. <laughs> or would you roll in about that? If Jesus is on stage singing, like, no, I'm just saying. Because how you do anything is how you do everything. And some people want like promotion to like, hey pastor, you know, I want to be the church financial team. And I'm like, you bought a hundred tacos last week. <laughs> no. You know what I'm saying? I watch these things now. I didn't used to watch these things. I used to think that people's talent could overcome it, but now I know it's never true. Your character can be the iceberg or it can be the thing that keeps you in the place where you remember that any position you have came from God and you're where you work and you're in your family and you're in whatever situation you are because God has a plan there that you need to get a hold of. Not just for you, but for the people around you. Now. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine who's like, I got this uh, staff member and I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I, I know this is a conversation he's had like 30 times out of frustration. And I'm thinking to myself, it's not good for you if your boss wakes up at 2 a.m. and thinks about you and doesn't smile. And I don't mean like creepy thinks about you like, hey, what's up? I mean like thinks about you like is wondering what kind of mood you're going to show up at, or if you're going to show up at work the next day. That's not good for your longevity at that job. Are you a joy when you walk into the room or do you bring the mood down? Some people are just emotional vampires. Be yourself unless you suck. Bring energy wherever you go. Be the person that lights up the room and when people think about you, they're like, I wanna hang out with that person because there's the joy of the Lord. Even in hard times, there's a smile on their face and they have some faith and they've got some grit and determination. And, and don't worry about a lack of talent, by the way. God seems to use the foolish things and the weak ones and the stupid people. <laughs> you know, I grew up with, yeah, good honesty. I grew up with three people who were way more talented than I were and should be standing where I'm standing right now, but they're not. Way more talented, I mean, way more talented. I was just, you know what? I just feel like I just was too dumb to know that I should leave. <laughs> you know, like, cause talent opens opportunities before your character. We don't promote in the church here for talent. I don't trust talent anymore. I trust character, which is like longevity of sweating details and good emotional. I mean, it's part of it, right? Obviously like the Bible and stuff and morality matters too, obviously. Pa pastor doesn't preach morality in the church. Oh my goodness, I'm just preaching about these two things today. Um, let's get our character right. Two years passed. Joseph's been in jail now and it says two years passed after some guys in, went to jail. Pharaoh threw two guys in jail and they had dreams. Joseph interpreted them. So he's already been in jail for a time. We don't know how long that's been. Two years passed when he basically told the one guy, hey, when Pharaoh promotes you back again, don't forget about me. Please, God, don't forget about me in jail. I'm in jail. I shouldn't be in jail. You can see all these idiots. I'm way better. And God's just like memory erasure. And it's not hard on men because we already forgot. Um, so he goes to Pharaoh. He gets promoted. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. When morning came, he was upset. I'm not going to go into the dream because it's really weird. 
Don't read the Bible for yourself because it's really weird. <laughs> Venue Church doesn't want you reading the Bible. Okay. Uh, he sent for all the magicians. It's reverse psychology is what it is. He sent for all the magicians and sages of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but they couldn't interpret them to him. Now, when the crap hits the fan is when everybody without character and without the voice of God in their ear, that's when it matters. It matters in war. It matters in COVID. It matters when the pressure's on. And all of a sudden, all those guys don't matter anymore. The head cupbearer then spoke up and said to Pharaoh, ah, I'm sorry, I should have told you this a long time. Long time. This is like a, this is like Dumb and Dumber, but he's like so cold. He's like, oh, my hands are beginning to sweat. Here, take the extra gloves. You had gloves the whole time? Man, come on. That's okay. Uh, once when Pharaoh got angry with the servants, like, oh my goodness, I just remembered. This totally applies. He locked me and the head baker in the house of the captain of the guard. We both had dreams on the same night, each dream with its own meaning. It so happened that there was a young Hebrew slave there with us. He belonged to the captain of the guard. Super interesting, right? Potiphar. Um, we told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, each dream separately. Things turned out, I, it keeps coming back in my spirit. God's not yet is not God's no to somebody. Not yet is not a no. Just hold on, just hold on. Let me get back here. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, each dream separately. Things turned out just as he interpreted. I was returned to my position and the head baker was impaled. Pharaoh had once, that's one of the reasons I love the Bible, by the way. <laughs> when I was a kid, I'm like, what? No, that's a big kind of, Okay. Pharaoh had once sent for Joseph. Sorry, if you're new, we do this all the time. This is just how we connect. Um, Pharaoh had once sent for Joseph. Watch this, watch this. They brought him on the run from the jail cell. Stop. Stop worrying about your destiny and just try to connect somebody with God and with people. Just stop worrying about the... the end of the road. Just get on the road. He cut his hair, put on clean clothes, and came to Pharaoh. Like, literally, like, snip, snip. It doesn't say, like, I don't know if he bathed him. I don't know. He's just, like, Pharaoh needed help, and when Pharaoh wants help, Pharaoh gets help. He says, I dreamed a dream. He said, nobody can interpret it. I thought that just by, but I've heard that just by hearing a dream, you can interpret it. So, but here's the trouble. Do you remember when Joseph had his dreams? We preached about this. When he had his dreams, before character, Joseph couldn't interpret his own dreams. Right, because he thought his dreams were all about Joseph. Now, the dream from, was from God, and it actually came true. But Joseph's, the dream that God gives you is never about you. It will be about the people you're supposed to save. That's why you're where you are right now, because the people that you're supposed to save are probably in the same mire that you find yourself in. And if you don't get out, they're not going to find a way to get out. It's the anointing of God to break the yoke off of other people struggling with the addiction you're struggling with, with the marriage problem, with the financial Now, the, the, the dreams are really weird. You're going to have to read about those. It's like, there were seven fat cows and seven skinny cows came out. If I was God, I would do, do this kind of dream. And then said it, seven skinny cows ate the fat cows. <laughs> like, you would be alarmed, too, if you were like, <laughs> if you woke up. You got to think about this. Like, this actually happened, guys. <laughs> Thinking about it right now. I'm distracted. Joseph answered, not I, interpretation, but God. God will set Pharaoh's mind at ease. And I think finally, God's like, finally, I can trust Joseph with leadership. Because he said, not I. Not me. Not me anymore. This is not about me. This is about God. 
And when God speaks, no matter what he speaks, he says, God will set Pharaoh's mind at ease. God speaks, and God speaks, there's going to be a massive famine that's going to wipe out this nation unless you do something. That sounds alarming, but listen, your neighbor needs to know what God is saying because every time God speaks, there's a plan to avoid disaster and to bring you into a thriving place. Every time God speaks, it's going to settle Pharaoh down. It's going to settle people down. The meaning is what I said earlier. God is letting Pharaoh in on what he's going to do. Seven years of plenty are on their way throughout Egypt, but on their heels will come seven years of famine, leaving no trace of the Egyptian plenty. As the country is emptied by famine, there won't even be a scrap left of the previous plenty. The famine will be total. The famine will be total. You're hungry now because there's a famine coming on you or your neighborhood or your family that will be total. The fact that Pharaoh's dream the same dream twice emphasizes God's determination to do this and do it soon. So Pharaoh needs to look for a wise and experienced man and put him in charge of the country. And you're thinking like Joseph is talking about himself. No, he's not you. He's not you. Watch. Joseph is not speaking of himself in his mind here. I don't think because he's outgrown that. He's outgrown the thought that position will give me self-worth. Watch, because here's his job description. Then Pharaoh needs to appoint managers throughout the country of Egypt to organize it. So organize it during the years of plenty. Like, because if you run your country like you run your prisons, dang. Like, why? Because soft nations and wealthy nations aren't organized. They're not hard. They make soft times. He's like, this nation is a disaster. You need managers throughout. Everybody's just doing whatever they want. Spending money like it's... Watch this. So Pharaoh needs to look for a wise and experienced man. An experienced man, watch that, wise and experienced man. Well, he's not talking of himself. He's got no experience. And put him in charge of the country. And so he's like, their job will be to collect all the food. Here's the job description. Collect all the food produced from wealthy landowners of their own free will. This is what they got. They're salesmen. Like, hey, you got to give us all your food. Produced in the good years, stockpile it. The grain will be held back for use later. The, that way the country won't be devastated by famine. And he's thinking to himself, good luck finding the guy who can talk the nation into that. This seemed, come on up, worship. This seemed like a good idea to Pharaoh and his officials. Why would that seem like a good idea? It's crazy. You're going to have seven good years, then seven really bad years. Appoint people, get your crap together, manage this nation, take from all the, store it up. The anointing of God is on the people that he calls and the people with character. Then Pharaoh said to his official, his officials, isn't this the man we need? Are we going to find anyone else with God's spirit in him like this? There is something else that would stand out amongst Joseph in that crowd in the palace is that he's probably the only one who could still work for a living. Pharaoh and his officials are like, we don't really do much around here. We mostly just politic with each other and spend taxes. We need somebody who's got some grit and some get up and go. We need this guy. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, you're the man for us. God's given you the inside story. He didn't give it to us. We don't care. Just save it. Save us. No one is as qualified as you in experience and wisdom. Nobody's as talented as you are. And Joseph's like, I don't have the things that you just said. 
And God's like, no, you do. Just not in the palace yet, but you got it in prison. It's scalable. What you learn here is scalable. From now on, Pharaoh says, you're in charge of my affairs. All my people will report to you. Only as king will I be over you. Joseph was in charge of the entire country of Egypt. So let me just ask you just one question. So who was really in charge of the country of Egypt? Pharaoh? Not Pharaoh. Joseph? When God can trust you in prison and he promotes you to the palace, God becomes in charge of Egypt. <laughs>